You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been cleared for takeoff. I'm going to be iconic. Welcome to the Alouettes Flight Deck, the podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouettes football. I'm Cliffy D. You can find me on Twitter at Cliffy D. And I'm Tim Capper. You can also find me on Twitter, but at Repact. That's R-E-P-P-A-C-T. And this episode of the podcast is presented by our good friends over at SportBuff, where if you use the promo code OWLSFLIGHTDICK10 at checkout, you will save 10% off your entire order. So head over to sportbuffshop.com. Use the code, save 10%, support local, and save some money on some sweet, sweet merch. And the Alouette's Flight Deck are all over the World Wide Web and social media. Make sure you check out our archive featuring seven-plus seasons of the Alouette's Flight Deck over at www.alouette'sflightdeck.ca. Make sure you give us a follow over on Twitter, at Alouette's FL Deck. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pod. Check out our Instagram, where we've been doing a lot of live streams with Flight Deck Live. You can find that at Alouette's Flight Deck. Uh, you can also find us on Threads at Alouette's Flight Deck. Uh, make sure you check out our YouTube page at youtube.com slash Alouette's Flight Deck. And of course, if you want to support us here at the show, you can definitely check out our merchandise store over at teespring.com slash stores slash Al's Flight Deck. Buy weeks. You either love them or you hate them, right, Cliff? But when it comes to people like us who do, you know, any type of media, uh, podcasting, uh, live broadcasting, etc., it can be a little tough to, you know, keep up the hype, keep up the momentum when it comes to uh, a bye week. Because usually there's not, obviously, there's usually not that much news coming out. Unless you're the Alouettes over the past couple of years, you know, as, as you've alluded to in previous episodes, where bye weeks are very, very interesting in Montreal, especially for the Alouettes. It's funny, though, for this one bye week, it was actually pretty interesting. So I guess the, uh, I, I guess everything is staying status quo for the Alouettes, aren't they? Pretty much. And I even, again, I even alluded to this uh, in the last episode is that uh, typically, yeah, that's usually when the Alouettes make some sort of uh, monumental change, if you will. And it, it was, it's funny. It didn't look like it was actually going to happen this week because just, you know, keeping our eye on things and it just nothing news wise, nothing that would suggest that a major news is going to happen, good, bad or other. And, Sometimes no news is good news, and I was kind of going with that attitude. I figured, okay, well, I guess truly there isn't much that's going to happen. But uh, this past Sunday, the Alouettes were like, oh, hold on to your hats. We've got some news for you. Mm-hmm. Like, ask and you shall receive. So sure enough, the the, the Montreal Alouettes did make some moves on, on, on Sunday, and uh, moves that I think uh, – are going to be a little tough because it involves the departure of uh, a dearly loved member of the team. But, but there is the addition of someone who I believe can truly, truly be a game changer for this Alouettes team. And 
truly, I could not be more excited for this particular transaction. Yeah, I was going to say, and you know, we may lose an usher, but we but we gain a uh, uh, a, a quenching beverage. And it's really a bad, bad analogy in putting it that way. But I know, I know. But I was trying to think of something cute. But either way, the Alouettes parted ways with Nick Usher. Um, it's it, it, as media members, we were speculating on what should have been done during the uh, during the bye week, but it, it hasn't happened at least as of yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did lose Nick Usher, but um, we ended up signing a a. a, a a gentleman who is a huge name when it comes to uh, being somebody you don't want to be on the opposite side of when you're on the uh, when you're on the offensive line uh, or any quarterbacks across the league. Uh, who would have thought, Cliff, that the Alouettes are able to sign free agent who've been free agent this entire time? By the way, we were able to sign free agent Sean Lemon. I mean, I, I'm trying to remember. You know, the Owls have made some some big acquisitions before in the past. This one's pretty big, I will admit. I mean, and, and this was and this didn't happen during free agency either. You know, they, again, as I just said, this guy was on basically sitting waiting for somebody to call him and offer him what and uh, offer him um the right opportunity. Yeah. Definitely, without question, uh, a lot of people were very surprised like how is Sean Lemon not on a CFL roster? Someone's CFL roster. There, it was just mind-boggling, but sometimes the best thing you can do for yourself is wait for the right opportunity, and eventually someone's going to come calling. And sure enough, Danny Machocha, he picked up the phone and he, he made he made it happen. He he he's bringing in Sean Lemon, and it's unfortunate that's coming in at the cost of you know Nick Nick Usher. It's it's unfortunate it had to come to that, but I, I mean. Obviously, Danny Mac is not afraid to make the moves that may may seem a little head scratching to a lot of fans, or even disappointing to a lot of fans. Because let's face it, Nick Usher was very much a fan favorite, someone that was very much respected on this defensive line and throughout the entire team as well. I mean, Nick Usher was one of those personalities that shone through and was just absolute delight to be around. But these are the moves you have to make if you're trying to compete for and win a great cup and bringing in a Sean Lemon is going to be a massive game changer for the Montreal Alouettes defensive line. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, when we first saw the, the, the news break about Usher, we we're like, okay, what's, what's going to be happening. And then obviously there was speculation, et cetera, et cetera. But it, it, it I guess Usher's uh, remaining salary for 2023 was uh, just enough. That was necessary for the Alouettes to be able to sign uh, Sean Lemon to a contract. And did we ever get any actual n- notice on how long his contract was for? Was it for the rest of the year? I'm, that's, I, I, that's one thing I don't remember seeing is how long this, his contract was actually for. No, I didn't see that either. And I mean, listen, he's here now and he's here to the end of the season. So that's to me, like that's, that's enough. I mean, that that's good. I mean, <laughs> It's kind of funny, too, because uh, Sean Lemon is uh, very close to the Kevin Glenn tour. He's very close to completing it. He has been a member of all the CFL clubs, with the exception of Hamilton, and until recently, Montreal. Mm -hmm. So now he's got one space left on the bingo card. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, 
I'm just trying to find a little. But, we, but, but you can't have them now, Tiger Cats. You, you, you no. have to wait till next year. Sorry. No. no. These are the rules. We do not make the rules. <laughs> it's it, he's he has been a an absolute force. I mean, I'm obviously, uh, you know, in just recent years alone, you know, Calgary and so. I mean, it's just it's just it's just crazy. How well Calgary, BC. I, I mean, just about everywhere he's gone, he's been a, he's been a winner and has performed extremely well. I mean, uh, he's, he won a Grey Cup in, with Calgary in 2014 and with the Toronto Argonauts in 2017. Uh, part of the uh, the, the Mark Tressman led uh, and uh, uh, Jim Pop led Argos team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, so again, the guy knows how to win. Period. Yep, it's true. 11-year uh, veteran, if, if anybody didn't know. He, 135 regular season CFL games, uh, 21, 221 defensive tackles, 29 forced fumbles, one interception, and 92 career sacks. That's it. That's the other thing, too. 92 career sacks, which means eight away from 100. And there is a very, very good opportunity for him to be able to set that century club mark with... Uh, with the Alouettes and that's exciting. That to me is going to be very, very fun to see. Yep. And, uh, just released today, uh, the Alouettes did have their, uh, uh their first practice, um, post games, uh, post practice scrum. And, and, uh, Sean was, uh, was interviewed. Uh, and I know Danny Mack was asked, asked about him too. Um, but he seems to be ready to go, and obviously, once the depth chart comes out on Sunday on Saturday, uh, I, I it, come on, it shouldn't be a surprise. You know, it, it would be a surprise if he wasn't listed on the starting lineup. Yeah, and you have to believe he's been he's been staying in shape. He's been basically ready to go. So I I, I would be very surprised not to see him in the lineup uh, this coming Sunday against Calgary. And let's not forget Calgary, where he's had arguably most of his success you got to believe like they they decided that they didn't want him and let him go to free agency and let him uh you know let, just let him go because let's not forget he was also the western nominee for most outstanding defensive player last year mm-hmm. you think that alone and just the, his 22 and 2 season as an all-star season and had some amazing stats like you think that would have been enough for him to you know stick around in calgary but they're like no nah, no nah, not uh, not happening so God only knows why, but uh, their loss is essentially our gain. So, yep. yeah, I, I I have to believe you know football is professional. You know, it's professional. There, there, there's you know no hard feelings. There's nothing like that. And they always say that it's not personal. But I got a, I got a feeling that Sean Lemon is going to be taking a look at this Calgary team that basically let him walk. Mm-hmm. And I I, I want to believe he at least wants to be able to show up and say, listen. Y'all made a mistake. Let me go. Now you're going to pay. Yeah, exactly. By the way, and just just to at least com- complete it, um, the Owls did also sign other two defensive linemen, which you were very surprised about, considering how many we do, how many defensive uh, back linemen and backs we just happened to gain in two days. Uh, Marcus Valdez and off, uh, and then we got also offensive lineman Josh Donovan, who I think he had a cup of coffee with in the, in the uh, IFL, uh, the Indoor Football League, and uh, and Valdez. Uh, so it's, they, they did something during the off, off, uh, during the, uh, during the bye week for sure, man. So it's, it's gonna be, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun to have, have Sean on our side. 
and I'm curious to see how much uh, how much uh, how much trouble he can cause. <laughs> yeah, I, and that's the thing is with, with Sean Lemon. Yeah, he's got a bit of a reputation. He can be a bit of a hothead, and for some, a little bit difficult to work with. But truly, I think if if you let him cook, let him do his thing, he's going to do great things. And I I, I have to believe this Alouettes team is going to let him do that. Like Greg Quick, the uh, defensive line coach. Or sorry, Corby Irvin, sorry, the defensive line coach for the Alouettes is he's got to be licking his chops. He's got to be so excited to have someone like Lemon on this line, along with guys like uh, Lawal Ugalak, Armando Sewell. Uh, my God, I mean, this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun to watch. And, you know, it, it's it, it's so interesting. Like, I didn't think there was any problems with the defensive line as it stood. You know, we've had our theories of uh, areas of where the LOS could use improvement. Not once did it cross my mind that defensive line could have been an issue. Mm-hmm. So I truly think this is just a matter of the rich getting richer because I definitely think this defensive line can hang with just about anybody and can cause real havoc. And now you throw a Sean Lemon in the mix. Holy cow. That is going to be so exciting to watch. So once again, like I, I, I am excited. I am excited to see what Sean Lemon can do as a member of this Alouettes team, that, that veteran presence that's going to be tremendous for a lot of the younger members of this D-line, it, it's going to be so much fun to watch. And truly, I, I cannot wait for Sunday to see the new Agent Zero in action. Mm-hmm. And by the way, we at least have to comment on it, and I wanted to ask you about it, is um, how quick do you think it's going to be until Nick Usher gets picked up? Because, he, I mean, he's, he, he made a name for himself in Montreal for sure. He did, and also in Edmonton as well, where where uh, he, that's where people first got to know who Nick Usher was. So, truthfully, I'm I'm actually surprised he hasn't been picked up by somebody already. But could just be a matter of time. Could just be waiting for injuries or or whatnot. But uh, put it this way, Nick Usher will not be out of work long. I can guarantee you that he is just too good of a guy, too good of a player. Uh, he can definitely help any team, any team that needs help on the defensive line would be foolish not to enlist Nick enlist Nick Usher's services. No, I, I completely agree with you, dude. I really do. It should be, it, again, it, it's going to be fun. It's it's going to be, uh, I think what we're understanding is that uh, Ja'Garrett Davis uh, won't be playing this week for Calgary in, uh, in, the rec- in that recent trade. So it's, it should be, I am. I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. No. But again, another great move for the Calgary Stampeders oh, to yeah, get yeah, Jagger yeah. Davis, if only because, and this is incredible. Every year he's been in the CFL. This is his seventh season. Every year that he's played in the CFL, Jagger Davis has appeared in the Grey Cup. Hasn't always won it. He's won two out of his six tries. But safe to say, if if Jagger Davis is on your team you're going to be in the Grey Cup. So, Calgary, congratulations. I know things may not be looking great for you now. <laughs> I know it's hard to believe, considering how BC and Winnipeg are still considered the, the top-tier teams in the West. But, you know what? It doesn't matter how you get there, but somehow, some way, as long as Ja'Garrett Davis is on your team, you are going to the Grey Cup. That those that those That's just the facts. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just how it is. So, I don't know how you're going to do it, but somehow you are going to be part of the great cup Calgary. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, we're going to be going over, obviously our thoughts on um, 
on the upcoming game between the, uh, the Owls and the Stampeders. Um, and some very interesting, interesting, an interesting look at the names that are popping up on the, uh, on the, I guess we could say the practice list, the injured list or the practice, whatever you want to call it. But before that, Cliff, right, uh, we, we're going to have to set up this game. And uh, uh, we have a guy who's been on the show before who, uh, who's going to help us do just that, right? Absolutely. We're very excited. Uh, we've asked uh, Danny Austin to join us, and he was very gracious in order for, for him to do so. Uh, just to talk about things that are going on in Calgary right now, because, uh, I mean, we we see what's going on as far as, uh, you know, some of the growing pains that they're going through. Uh, you know, So we, we want to talk to Danny about that, talk to him about uh, – Pretty much everything Stampeders and Calgary itself right now. So uh, I'm very excited to have him on. So uh, without further ado, uh, let's go to the interview uh, where we are speaking with the one, the only, Danny Austin. And joining us this week on the Flight Deck is a man we've had on the show before. Always a pleasure to talk to him all the way from Calgary, Alberta, uh, to preview the game Sunday versus the Stampeders. Uh, we are joined once again by Danny Austin. Danny, welcome back to the Elvis Flight Deck. Man, thanks for having me. It's great to great to be chatting with you guys. Um, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, Montreal, Calgary have not played each other for a long time, so this feels a little unusual. But uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, actually, I was thinking about it. Uh, it's I, I think this is the first time Calgary's been back to Montreal since I want to say 2019. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, obviously, no 2020 season, and I know I haven't been there for the last couple of years, which. Bums me out because, like any person with good taste, I love the city of Montreal and would love an annual trip there. Um, but yeah, haven't gotten those in a while. So um, yeah, it's been a little while. Calgary historically plays absolutely terribly in Montreal, um, which is probably not good for Stamps fans, given that like that this team desperately, desperately, desperately needs a win. But here we are. And incidentally, uh, I mean. Calgary's been a very welcoming host at McMahon Stadium for opposing teams because uh, the Stamps have yet to win a game at McMahon Stadium this year. Can can you explain what what's up with that? Yeah, I mean the Stamps are the weirdest teams right now because like no, they haven't. They also two of those games went to overtime. Um, like it's they've been hard fought games. It's it's so weird. Like I was trying to describe this to to a friend today, and it's like as long as the Stampeders aren't massively screwing up. They actually look pretty good. It's just that they massively screw up a bunch. Like, like nine times, nine plays out of ten, you're like, God, these guys look great. And then they just do something that just blows your mind. And you're like, how did, how did you not knock down a Hail Mary pass? Like, mm-hmm. how, like, how did you allow Mario Offer to run back to, um, you know, two kick return touchdowns? It's just that type of thing. There's just these big glaring mistakes that are costing them. Um, and look, the offense took a while to get going here. That's what really happened um, this season. Just Jake Mayer and his receivers were not on the same page. They were a bunch of injuries. That didn't help. Um, but the St. Peter's ultimately, like, they just didn't look good at all for the first couple of weeks. And I'd argue they looked, they looked better. Um, it's just nothing's coming together. And, I mean, I, we've all followed or, or covered or, or cheered for teams like that, where you're just like, I can see it. I can, like, I can see what needs to happen. You guys don't look like you're that far off, but it's not happening, and that's sort of where I, where I, where I would say the St. Peter's are right now. 
one thing I'm curious to know about is, you know, obviously the Stampeders one have, have uh, obviously a hell of a pedigree in the CFL and how they've been how well they've been doing over the you know the past decade plus. But you know, one minor change to the front office this year, and it seems that things aren't going their way. Do, do you do you tend as a, as a reporter to go look back and say, well, what if that change had not been made in in the uh, in the front offices of the organization this year? You're, you're saying Dave becoming GM? Yeah, yeah. Because that that's really over. Yeah, I don't. To be honest, I don't. I don't think that's really been a factor. Um, like Dave and Hoffnagel were so were, were so involved in each other's jobs. Like they're from the start and you know they're Dave's not doing the scouting. He's not out on the road um you know watching watching university football trying to figure out these guys. I, I like the team that the St. Peters have. That's the truth. Like I, there are not many holes in this roster. It's just execution right now. Um and the reality is and this is probably a thing that's unique to, to Calgary, um, where you did sort of have the Flutie to Garcia to Dickinson to Burris to Bo Levi Mitchell, like that transition at quarterbacks where they had sort of a lead quarterback after a lead quarterback. I think it's more about that. They're dealing with a young quarterback where there's growing pains. So you're really seeing the regression. Um, but I don't, for me, no, I'm not, I'm not at all worried about Dickinson being able to be the GM and head coach. It's so collaborative. Um, I don't think that there is a, a, a market in the CFL or a team in the CFL that has a guy like Pat Delmonico um, that has Mark Killam. You know, these guys are all capable of taking on a huge amount of, of responsibility in the, in the coaching. And I, I do think, like, I, I don't think there's, I don't personally think there's an issue there. Okay. Do you think eventually uh, Dickinson does step back and say, no, I'm just going to be the GM and I'm going to let whomever be the head coach of the Stampeders maybe as early as the next next season? Eventually, I see that happening. Um, it, you know, it probably has to happen. Um, I, I think Dave's got a lot of of work that he wants to get done. I mean, the question that people always ask me is like, if Mark Killam, you know, is just completely set on getting a head coaching job, are you really going to let him walk? Um, you know, maybe Dave could step back and give Killam that opportunity, but I just don't see it happening. Um, for right now, I think Dave, like he's, he's in this dual role. You still have Huffnagel around the building. You can bounce ideas off and, and sort of learn from. So for me, I, I you know, I just, like I said, and maybe this is bad reporting, but for me, so much of it has been execution, not necessarily game planning um, for the Stamps season. So I don't see there being a huge structural issue with the way that the team is run or coached, personally. Um, but, and, you know, again, they're two plays away from being four and two and not two and four. You know, there were two overtime games that came down to the, very, came down to the wire. Um, so I'm not, look, I'm doing it with the Bombers. Anything that the Bombers do wrong, I'm celebrating their demise as if it's like the end of days. <laughs> I understand why people want to do that for Calgary. Uh, I just, I don't believe it personally. Like, I, I wish that I could come in and say they got to tear it all down. I just don't believe it. Well, it's kind of like the New England Patriots. Like, for years, they were the model franchise. They had the, the quarterback, the coach, everything. And now we're starting to see, like, okay, maybe, you know, their demise, so to speak, or maybe they're just not quite where they used to be. And I guess one can't help but wonder if maybe that's the same thing with Calgary after being so successful for so long. And now you're starting to see, I won't say necessarily chinks in the armor, but like you're starting to see that, oh, they are human after all. I mean, look, they haven't won a playoff game since 2018. Like, this team hasn't actually been the sort of elite powerhouse team in the CFL since 
for five years now. That's just the reality. I mean, it's been Winnipeg. Um, you know, we all want to. We all we all still have assumed that every season the stamps would get hot and, and sort of be a force in the playoffs, but they haven't. Um, there's no like, there's no right like argument there. It's it's, it's fact. So, um, yeah, there's been a, a decline. This is not the same team that in the early 2000s was absolutely dominating everybody. Um, but that's not where they're at, and this is a team that I think realistically the best you can hope for right now, if we look at it honestly, is that they outlast the Riders and get third in the West. Um, I don't think they have a hope the way that they're playing right now in catching Winnipeg or BC. I know it's early, but I think this Montreal game is brutal. It's a really, 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 really tough challenge. And then they have Toronto. I don't know if the order here, but it's either BC, Winnipeg, or Winnipeg, BC. So let's just say Toronto, Winnipeg, BC, Toronto again. That's all before Labor Day. This team could be in real trouble come Labor Day. It's just the nice thing is they get to play twice at Labor Day. Well, the one thing that will kind of work in uh, Calgary's favor is the uh, t- the acquisition today of Jaguar Davis. I mean, the guy that has played his entire career in a Grey Cup game every year. So, I mean, that's got to be a, a, a hope for Calgary fans, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, Jaguar Davis is an elite defensive end in the CFL. Well, it has been for, you know, coming up on eight years now. Uh, no question there. Now, that's an addition in the sense that he's stepping in, but, like, they also lost James Waters, who I believe tore his bicep. That's what I kind of reported last night. Um, I can pretty much guarantee you that there were calls to Sean Lemon trying to get him not to go to Montreal. Um, <laughs> they needed a defensive end there, and, and Jaguar Davis is the one that got. It's a great addition. Obviously, played here, won a great cup in 2018, knows the system. Um, but you're also, like... That's basically a replacement for Rodgers. It's not, I don't know how to say this, but like it's not an addition so much as it is a not patching a, subtract- a hole. subtraction. Yeah, it's patching a hole right now. Okay. But it's a good, awfully good player to be able to patch a hole with. All right. Uh, with, uh, with this offense right now, because, I mean, especially after that barn burner of a game against Ottawa going into overtime, uh, I mean, it seems like there's moments where Jake Mayer can just turn it on and does absolutely outstanding things. And then there's some plays where he makes where just, you're left scratching your head. So, like, do you ever wonder, like, some, like do, do Calgary fans wonder, like, will the real Jake Mayer please stand up? I mean, they yell at me better than my email. Um, <laughs> every day I wake up to, like, four emails where I'm like, guys, I'm not, I'm not the coach. Um, it's, yeah, Calgary fans are very impatient uh, with Jake right now. Um, I think he's been considerably better his last two games. Yeah, the, the, the turnovers are just an issue, right? Um, and there are those, those tosses where you just wonder what's happening. Um, and it's weird. Until basically the West semifinal last year, I didn't think we had these questions. Like, I'm being real. I, I really, really thought Jake Mayer looked like he was going to be a stud. He was going to be a star quarterback in this league. And then in the West semifinal against the Lions, he really underperformed. And I think it shook his confidence a little bit. And I think it's just taken some time to build that back and to build those connections with the receivers. Um, and, you know, they lost Malik Henry. You know, Malik Henry was their top receiver last year. Yes, they replaced him with Mark and Michelle, um, who was excellent. But, um, yeah, there's no – this is going to take some patience. Jake Mayer is not going to be Doug Flutie. Um, certainly he's not going to be Doug Flutie next week in Montreal. It's going to take some time. You're building. You're improving. And that just may be something that not just Calgary fans, but CFL fans have to get used to a little bit. That may just be these guys aren't going to be good in week or great in week one. You, you got to build them. 
you gotta be patient. You gotta take the opposite of the damage a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember the last time that the Stamps actually had a, 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 a quarterback this. I, I don't want to say green because he's had a hell of a career so far. I mean, but when was the last time that that that, that the Stamps really had a quarterback this green as their starter? Maybe Drew Tate. Uh, you like, took the words right out of my mouth. Kind of. Yeah, like that would be it. Yeah. Dude, they didn't last long, but because Bo was there, um, you know, Bo was basically waiting in the waiting in the wings uh, and took over. But yeah, and really, I mean, like Marcus. Well, they're the weird years where Donegan was the head coach. Um, that just we don't acknowledge happened here in Calgary. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but beyond that, I mean, it's it's honestly like you go back to the to the Flutie years, and it's been uninterrupted in a lot of ways. It's it's pretty amazing. Talk to me about Tommy Lee Lewis. Like, I don't know where Calgary found this guy, but my goodness, this guy is exciting to watch. Who did you say? Sorry. Tommy Lee Lewis. I apologize. I missed that. Yeah, Tommy Lee Lewis. Uh, yeah, I mean, they found him in the NFL. Um, it's weird. <laughs> Tommy Lee Lewis is one of those guys who was on their negotiation list for, like, at least five years. Like, he always just kind of knew that they thought that he would eventually come up. Uh, and then he got here. Hurt his hamstring in training camp, so we still had to wait even longer. Um, and then finally he got in, and we were like, oh, yeah, this is why they, what they were waiting for. I mean, his foot speed is just unbelievable. It's not – it completely separates him. Um, and it was just probably a little bit undersized for the NFL. But other than that, he's got the skill set. I still think we're waiting for him to really, really break out. But um, it's close. And when you have that speed combined with Mark and Michelle – combined with Reggie Bagleton sort of coming across the middle and uh, Trey Adams Duke, so I've been really impressed with as well. I actually like this receiving core. They're, it's not necessarily the superstar names, but I, I, I like that combination of sort of speed and power in the middle. No, I, I look at him and, uh, like, uh, while I don't think Mario Alford or Chandler Worthy are going to have any sleepless nights, like, this is definitely someone that definitely is going to command some attention, especially in the return game. Like, he definitely has been able to break a few off and has definitely looked, looks like he's come as advertised for sure. Yeah, I mean, he's. I think he's one of the one of the guys to watch. And I like. I mean, I'm not going to compare him to, you know, the other top returners. I, I I think returning is a combination of you know, being really good at it, and sometimes you get lucky. And the Stampeders just decide not to tackle twice against the Riders. Um, and you know, you and I probably could have pressed it through some of those holes. So, um, yeah. But Tommy Lewis, 100. percent You couldn't be more right. He's Super exciting. Good. I think he's going to get to the league. I think he's going to be great for the Stampede as an organization and the guy that they can market around a little bit. All right. Now, let's let's talk quickly about this game uh, on Sunday. Uh, I mean, but I, I would say it's a must-win for both teams because Montreal on a three-game losing skid, although not looking terrible in losing, honestly, whereas Calgary just seems to uh, just – I don't want to say down on their luck necessarily, but I mean, like they, they, as you said, they fought in some pretty tough battles over the past couple of weeks. I, I mean, how – how important is this game right now for Calgary? It could not be more important. Um, like literally, again, as I mentioned, that August schedule, like they have Toronto twice, BC and, and Winnipeg. Um, the Stamps really expected to beat Ottawa this week. Uh, they're two and four. You know, you go two and five with that stretch of four games coming up. You know, it doesn't take a genius. Even the geniuses of genius sports could probably figure out that that's a, a pretty bad spot to be in. Um, like, this is honestly, like, I, as far as end-of-July games go in the CFL, this is as must-win as it gets for the Stampeders. They, like, absolutely need to figure out a way to pull this out. Because um, you want to be 500 at Labor Day. That's the goal. And uh, they're not going to be if they lose this game. That's, that's just, like, there's no argument there. <laughs> you have three games under 500 with 
the four games that you have coming up, it's not happening. So it doesn't matter if you have Edmonton twice. If you want even like a sniff at a home playoff game or third place, you better win. And the reality is you also better be beating the Eastern teams because you want to at least keep the possibility of a crossover too, right? So, yeah, this is a huge, huge, huge game. Yeah, I would say for Montreal as well, they again, they want to get off the schneid, uh, being down, you know, losing three games in a row. I don't, I don't think they see Calgary as necessarily beatable so much as like they know that they can hang, I think, with just about any team in the league. And they probably have a look at Calgary and say, okay, this is a team that's going to be motivated as well, especially after losing to Ottawa. And again, Montreal has to keep you pace with Ottawa, too. I'm not, I'm, yeah, not going to get offended. You can say that they look beatable. They do look beatable. They are beatable. They're getting beat. Um, if I was Montreal playing at home right now, I would have absolutely no fear. I would be going in. I'd be being aggressive. I'd be saying, all right. You know, this offense makes mistakes. Let's let's try to throw some some looks that are going to confuse Jake Mayer's eyes, and then you know keep the offense on the field and tire out a defense that has looked vulnerable at the end of games while also looking very good at the beginning. You just got to keep them on the field as much as possible. And I, I think if Montreal does that, they have every reason to feel confident. But like we don't need a sugarcoat. The, the St. Peter's team is beatable. They, they are. They are not the Bo Levi Mitchell 2017 St. No, I was going to say, they're not your daddy's Stampeders anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, and they might get back there. There's lots of young pieces, like and in good improving pieces. But yeah, they're not there right there. They're not there right now. That's the thing. It, it feels like, okay, there's like three tiers right now. I mean, you've got Toronto and everybody else in the middle and then Edmonton. So, I mean, like, as long as you're in that middle group, you've got a chance. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think you're exaggerating. I have, I, I, there's, I think BC and Winnipeg are still a little bit different from the other teams, sort of in the middle there. Um, but yeah, I think we have to be honest that Toronto is right now. I mean, they deserve to be the considered the best team in the league, um, and Edmonton deserves to be thrown out of the league and forced to play in Canada West next season or something. Um, they are awful, but I have like, I, you're, you're right. I mean, I, I do think BC is a cut above. Um, and I, I think I just can't discount the Bombers. So I still have that sort of first tier with those three teams. But, um, yeah, the middle, it's fun. There's parity. I mean, St. Peter's fans can be frustrated, but these games are going to overtime. They're exciting. It just sucks to lose exciting games. Well, that's it. Somebody has to win. Somebody has to lose. Unless it ties. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All right, well, I'm definitely looking forward to a fun, exciting game on Sunday evening. I, that's another thing, too. First Sunday evening game at Percival Molson Stadium in, I, I want to say, at least a decade. I think it's been at least a decade since there was Sunday night football in Montreal. So I think it's going to be an interesting game. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, definitely looking forward to hearing your thoughts on it afterwards. It's uh, it's, it's definitely going to be, as, as we said, it's a must-win game for both teams, and I really think it's going to come down to who wants just that much more? Yeah, and then it comes down to execution. And, uh, you know, I, I'm very curious to see. I'm, I'm guarding my tongue here, but I will say that I know how motivated Sean Lemon is. Uh, like, uh, Sean Lemon is going to do everything in his power to get 30 sacks in one game against these Stampeders. So, you know, that adds a list. But there's lots to like here. I'm, I'm super excited. It's going to be a great game. Yeah, I, I think uh, Sean Lemon, even though he's probably got himself an apartment now here in Montreal, I think he'd still like to be very much living in the Sam Peter's head rent-free. So, yeah. <laughs> you, you're going to have two residences, right? Yeah, 
<laughs> I mean, that guy's probably got houses in every city in the country, but he's uh, honestly he's the best dude. So I'm looking forward to seeing him play. It's good to have him back in the league. Hundred percent. Okay, no. Danny, we we know you've been uh, starting with the podcast, the Live from Fifty Five podcast, uh, doing great stuff with that. Uh, if uh, fans want to check you out, uh, besides on Twitter, uh, besides the 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 post media, how how do, how do how do our listeners? get in touch with you and get to, to see everything that you're doing here for the CFL. I mean, it is mostly Twitter. Like I promise you, I'm not joining threads. Um, so yeah, I mostly just post this stuff on Twitter. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm in all the post media papers, um, for now. And, uh, yeah, live from the 55 is on YouTube, Apple. Um, we're doing, you know, similar stuff what you guys are doing. We're just trying to kind of bring in some of the media guys who, you know, maybe aren't on TSN, but are, are super fun and, and just kind of have a good time with it. Bring some players on when we can. Kind of talk to the CFL because we need more of this. It's great that you guys are doing it. Hopefully people enjoy what I'm doing. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of it. But, yeah, Danny Austin underscore nine on Twitter. You're not going to see me on threads. You're not going to see me on whatever the blue sky is. I'll just be on Twitter hanging out until it dies. No TikTok? <laughs> No. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, us no. neither. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like, I'm on Instagram, but that's just like for friends. Like, that's not a professional thing. So, um, I'm terrible at promoting my work. Um, but yeah, that's where you can find me. All right. Well, I'll, let me okay. do it then for you, Danny. Everybody, go check out Danny Austin. You know, he's doing the thing. He's doing great stuff out in Calgary. Once again, Danny, thank you so much for joining us here on the flight deck. Looking forward to a great game on Sunday, and. Just keep doing what you're doing, man. We love it. I appreciate you guys, man. I'll come on anytime you need me. So thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Been on the show before. I love the way that this guy, you know, he's such a, such a passionate dude. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you that we talked about uh, before the interview itself. That and he, it's like we're on the same wavelength on a quite a few things league wide, but also, I mean, you can tell the dude is very passionate and he knows this Calgary Stampeders football. Hundred percent, and uh, so thankful that uh, I, I was actually worried uh, earlier this year. Uh, uh, Post media was kind of maybe thinking about getting away from Canadian football, which you know, you know their thought was, okay, well, let's put Danny on the Calgary Flames beat, and he did an outstanding job with that. Like to, to actually, how good is he? Is that you? He makes Montrealers care about what the Calgary Flames are doing, or at least taking an interest in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. That just speaks to the work that he does. And I, I was greatly relieved to see that, no, no, I'm, I'm not giving up CFL. Are you kidding me? No, I, I, I'm still covering the Stampeders. Don't, 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 don't get it twisted. So that was a relief because, I mean, Danny's an absolute gem and definitely is a must-follow, especially if you're a Calgary fan. I mean, as you said, uh, he is very much in, in, in the team. And he definitely understands what's going on. And it was so great for him to shed a little bit of light as to what we've been seeing so far in 2023 from Calgary. Uh, Danny, once again, thank you for everything and uh, looking forward to uh, your thoughts on this uh, game on Sunday afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Um, we mentioned it before the interview itself, Cliff, that, um, and it's something I actually sent a, you know, I messaged you, I, I sent a, a text to you earlier in the day after seeing this. And it was, it's kind of mind blowing because, you know, as you have said multiple times, you know, a lot of people within the CFL thought that, uh, you know, A, that our wide receiver core was going to be garbage and that we were just a, a team in disarray, you know, and, and and it couldn't be farther than the truth. 
But now, and even if this team is two and three, I mean, just again, look who, who look who we have played over the last three games, and we've we've stuck with them. Uh, you know, we've been in two of the three games, but it's, again, we we happen to lose all three. But some of these guys that we saw at practice, uh, that we saw at camp, you know, why isn't this person playing? Why why isn't this person playing? How is this person hurt? Et cetera, et cetera. Right. And then we see today's report, uh, the injury report, when it came to, uh, I guess we could say, day two of practice for the Alouettes. And dude, if you if 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 you and I as Alouette fans and supporters are uh, excited, oh man, just wait until you folks hear what we what we what we saw. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is what we found out today, Cliff. I want your thoughts on this. A, first, we know what happened the last day, the last game with Seante Evans. Now we know it was a leg issue. Full practice. That's cool, right? That, I'm glad to have you know, another piece of the defense back in place. A key piece, yes. no less. Brock Gowanlock, shoulder. Full practice both days so far this week. That mm-hmm. is huge on the defensive line. Oh, yeah. And as I said earlier, like, yes, this defensive line is extremely talented as it sits right now. But if you're able to throw a Brock Gowanlock back into the mix, I said it before and I'll say it again, the, the rich get richer. And uh, the opposing teams have to are going to have to if they don't know who Brock Gowanlock is, they're going to learn pretty damn quick. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Sean Jameson still is limited, but obviously everybody remembers what happened last year. So. Uh, Raheem Wilson, full practice on Wednesday. Mm. Another one of those, uh, as, as I was talking about, like we were concerned about what was going on with the secondary, but uh, uh, with Raheem the Dream back back practicing, that mm. will make you sit up and take notice. And believe me, that is very much a good thing to hear. To hear Raheem Wilson back practicing, that's got anyone who's had concerns. Like we have about the the secondary, yeah. If he can get into this game, start getting back into game shape and get back back in this lineup, oh boy, that I think that's going to solve a lot of the problems that were there. Exactly. Now, these two next players can easily be as uh, you know as we saw with Courtney Davis and with Tyler Sneed, these two other players could be an absolute game changer. And it's going to be really interesting to see how the, if both these guys are ready to go, how the Alouettes are going to shuffle their roster. Man, Greg Ellingson, which, which we now know he was having a knee issue, full practice on Wednesday. Tyson Philpot, we know it was a hammy, full practice on Tuesday and Wednesday. We are going to have two more, potentially two more uh, targets for Cody Fajardo to throw at come Sunday. And how excited is Fajardo at, at thinking of, of that? I mean, we, we, if there was any sort of concern or trust about the receiving core this year, I think a lot of it may have been blown out of proportion, especially after seeing how well Austin Mack has taken to the Canadian game. The excitement that we saw out of Tyler Sneed, the three-touchdown performance against the Toronto Argonauts, Courtney Davis, who was making outstanding catches in training camp throughout practice. And yes, even in actual game action. Now you're going to add 
Tyson Philpot and Greg Ellingson into this mix as well, in addition to guys like Herjie Maiella, Kayon Julian Grant, and so forth. I, I mean, this is a good problem to have. Like, you almost don't want to sit any of them, but you, you kind of have to. So it's this is going to be very, very interesting. And essentially, uh, Cody's going to put these guys to work. He, he has to. Uh, he, he's got to find a way to stretch the field as much as possible. I mean, he's he's been able to throw some pretty decent bombs earlier this year. And it, truthfully, he's got to make plays like that happen on a more frequent basis. And knowing that he's got like, reliable hands like Ellingson and Philpott, in addition to the guys that are already in this lineup, I mean, this is a good problem to have. I, I mean, just it sucks that invariably one or two, at, at least one or two of these guys are going to have to unfortunately sit on the bench. But man, what what a good problem to have! What a good, you know, good concern for this offense is. Okay, who's going to get out there and give us our best chance? Of, of making a highlight reel touchdown catch. I'll tell you what, I mean, this is, this is where the competition aspect of things comes into play. This is where you see who you truly have. And I tell you what, it, it's not so cut and dry. I mean, it's great that Ellingson and uh, Phil Potter are back, but I mean, they're not just going to waltz back into the lineup. Like nothing happened. I mean, they're going to have to prove that they can hang with, with this group as well. So it's, it's, it's going to make for a very, very interesting couple of days leading up into Sunday's game. No kidding. It's I I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. I, I'm looking at probably one of those two will probably be a, a single game scratch. That's just my guess here, Cliff, based on what we've seen with the roster so far and how I, I don't envy Denny Mac at all with them trying to figure out how they're going to put this thing together. Cause it's 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 not going to be easy, dude. You know, you got what Tyler's done recently, what Courtney Davis has done recently. I mean, it's you know, yeah. How do you bench the guy that scored three tutties against the defending Grey Cup champions? Yeah, the guy that tied the the, the Alouettes team record for most touchdowns in a single game. I agree with you, dude. I agree. Yeah. That's gonna be tough. But at the same time, how, how do you tell uh, a Tyson Philpot, uh, no, Mister Outstanding Rookie nominee? Uh, no, you you can't play this week. We got a we got some other rookie that's playing. Like, no, it doesn't work that way. I mean, yeah, you, you don't want to necessarily lose your spot due to injury, but I mean, like, definitely you got you know what you have with Tyson Philpot, so mm-hmm. you, you you cannot, you know, just leave him off to the side so easily. So it's going to be interesting. I think the next couple of days are really going to tell the tale. And man, I, I mean, as I said, this is a good problem to have for the Montreal Alouettes. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you, dude. Uh, again, keep track of the uh, of the uh, once we get it, we'll be putting it on all of our socials. So stay tuned for that depth chart because that's that's gonna be you. That's gonna be something you want to get your eyeballs on for sure, <laughs> for sure, and see how this how this what this makeup of this team is gonna be like for the game versus Calgary. So yeah, which suddenly feels like a long, long ways away. But I mean, we've been waiting so long for Alouette's football to come back and. We're just excited. We just we're just ready to see some football again and to see it on a you know weekly basis as we've come to expect. Mm-hmm. So the Alouettes uh, for again are going to be playing on on Sunday night football. Um, uh, you know the uh, the Owls in their history, Cliff. They've they've played 150 regular season games on Sundays, um, and this will be their first Sunday home game in the, in the regular season. Since October twenty eighth, uh, twenty eighteen, but it's their first Sunday night 
home game since 2011 versus Saskatchewan. And, you know, everybody remembers Alouette's football usually. And it's usually, you know, it used to be a weekend one o'clock tradition, right? For, for Sunday. But with the CFL changes this year, they're switching th- some things out and they're doing the Sunday night games. It's only going to be their sixth ever, Cliff, Sunday night regular season game at home in their team history. Yeah, it's crazy because yeah, you kind of do think about the Alouettes for Sundays, but like Sunday afternoon, mm-hmm. as in like one o'clock on Sunday. Yeah, typically after Labor Day, but still, that is something you do tend to associate with the uh, the Montreal Alouettes. Like, like during the regular season before Labor Day is something you it it's take a, it doesn't quite compute, but <laughs> I mean. People seem to love the idea of being able to have a game on Thursday, a game on Thursday, a game on Friday, a game on Saturday, a game on Sunday. And I mean, truthfully, I'll I'll take a Sunday night game over a Thursday night game, quite frankly. So, oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what the crowd is like for this game. So, um, what uh, what are your thoughts going into this game? Obviously, you know the Owls aren't when it comes to coming back off a games off of a bye. But, you know the Owls, you know they're they're about a five hundred team. You know, but I mean, you got two teams coming in who are going to be very pissed off and angry. You know how Calgary lost this this past week, even though Jake Mayer had a monster game at quarterback. Now, the Owls losing three straight. Um, you you know they're still in the thick of things, obviously to to uh, to host a playoff game. Funny to say that only in week week five after only five five games played, but still. Uh, they have a lot to prove coming in this week, and obviously, uh, they want to get this win, get back off the, get back to their winning ways, uh, get back to five hundred, and uh, get even, you know, ever so closer if they can to uh, to the Toronto Argonauts. Yeah, and also too with uh, that thrilling overtime win by the Red Blacks, the Red Blacks have actually surpassed the Alouettes. They're, they're now three and three on the season, whereas Montreal is two and three. Like mm-hmm. they were sitting ducks, so they obviously couldn't do anything about it. But I mean, now you got. You know, it's, it's one thing to try and keep pace with Toronto, who's starting to creep away with the the division so far, having not lost the game. And truthfully, I'm, I'm not sure when they're going to lose a game, just with their, the way their schedule is lining up over the next couple of weeks. But I mean, Montreal definitely—I won't call this necessarily a must-win game, but it's a game they definitely—it would be in their best advantage to win this game. Uh, same thing for Calgary too, because, like you said. I'm sure they felt they they should have won that game against the Red Blacks, and they should have won that game. The other overtime game at McMahon Stadium against the the Saskatchewan Riffers, they probably felt they should have won that game too. Mm-hmm. They, this team could easily be four and two versus two and four. I, we, we talk about it all the time. Sometimes it's just a matter of a bounce here, a bounce there, and your entire fortune changes completely. And I think Calgary does not want to go two and five because if they do, it it's it's a slippery slope. Uh, and Montreal doesn't want to be losing four games in a row either. So, I mean, this, this truly is going to be a very crucial game. It's early still, but it's very much a crucial game for both of these teams. I, I, they both have something to prove. They both want to you know, prove that they aren't who they people seem to be thinking they are. Uh, truthfully, I, I'm expecting this to be a really good game. And it'll be curious to see who wants it just that much more to get the W. Yeah, for for sure, and it's you know I, I've said it. I think for the past couple of years, I mean there, I mean there's so much. By the way, this year there's so much parity in the CFL. Uh, get the Owls getting a win 
would put the Eastern Eastern Division at a at a current current pace of potentially uh, you know where I'm going with this uh, you know I said it last year I won't say it this year but I think everybody knows where I'm going with this so it's very possible talking about the c word that isn't well the c word but <laughs> <laughs> yes yes yeah that other c word <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, it, and again it it sounds crazy to think, but I mean, it's it's not so impossible to consider. I, I, I think a lot of people were thinking even as early as two weeks ago, like, okay, well, it's definitely going to be Toronto and Montreal, and you know, see who who gets that last playoff spot. Maybe the, the West does cross over and takes it because Ottawa and Hamilton, well, their season's over. I'm like, well, Ottawa definitely didn't get the memo, and uh, now that Bo Levi Mitchell is back practicing with the the Tiger Cats. I mean, if, if there's anyone that has something to prove, it's definitely Bo Levi. Mm-hmm. There, there, there's no question about that. But I mean, Montreal has to take a look at this game and the next couple of games, and they really, really got to get it together. They they cannot afford to let things slide. I mean, you, you got to start posting Ws. That's all there is to it. Like this three-game slide, not a backbreaker by any stretch, but at the same time, you don't want it going to four and five and so on. Yeah. Like that, that really is what it comes down to with both of these teams is they've got a lot to prove already. And there's a lot of naysayers. Like there's a lot of people that think Calgary. Okay. Finally, after years of consistent excellence year in and year out, they're finally falling off the face of the earth. Uh, Montreal, a lot of people didn't expect a whole lot of out right off the bat. They came in hot winning their first two games and then kind of, you know, started, going down a little bit and even though like they were tightly contested affairs like two of the three games were fairly tightly contested they're still losses and now everybody's back to sleeping on the alouettes and that could be just how this team likes it but you know what the only way sleeping on the alouettes works is if you prove everybody wrong and you go out and win yeah if you if you're just going to keep on losing then you're you're just validating what everybody's feeling so mm-hmm. It really is the onus. Really, is on both of these teams to find a way to win, and I, I think that's just going to translate for us in the stands. We're going to see a very entertaining football game. I really think these two teams are going to show up, and, and they're going to put on a show. Simply put, I mean, it won't be as exciting as the Cirque du Soleil show. It will be a halftime, <laughs> but uh, we may see some acrobatics. Uh, well, we'll probably see some clowns too, but I mean, <laughs> that's just how it is, right? <laughs> that's good. Very good, Clivy. I like that. Uh, for those who are wanting to know, practice this week is being uh, basically over, is being uh, concentrated over at the Olympic Stadium uh, on that uh, on the annex field in between the Bago and Saputo. Um, so Thursday and Friday uh, at 11.20 a.m. Uh, check the, the team's webpage for any changes. Uh, if you're going to be at a practice on Friday, I'm potentially going to be there. So uh, come say hey. Um, have any questions or comments or concerns about the show itself uh, or just want to chime in and let us know something, you can email us directly at uh, tim.capper at uh, alouettesflightdeck.ca or cliff at uh, cliff, cliffyd.pine at alouettesflightdick.ca. Owls Al- are uh, a, I think for the first time this year, Cliff, I think they are a favorite. They're a two and a half point favorite over the Stampeders with an over under of 47. Um, they get the hometown bump. Yep. I, again, as I said earlier, I'm just curious to know 
see what this crowd's going to be like for a, again, for a Sunday night game. Now, mind you, it is during the, the infamous construction holiday here in Quebec. People need to show up anyways. They should be anyways. You're not at work. <laughs> you don't got to work the next day. Yeah, I mean. So, you know, and the weather seems to be pretty good, so I can't complain. So Yeah, that's going to be key. I mean, just it's, once again, the Alouettes are, are planning to put on a, a spectacular show, both, you know, with the football team and off the field as well. I, 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 I'm very curious to see what the, the whole Cirque du Soleil production is going to be like. I've never seen, I don't think it's ever been truly attempted in a, a football stadium. So I'm, I'm definitely intrigued to see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, aside from that though, I mean, as I said, this is, these are two, I'd say evenly matched football teams. Uh, both have their, their positives when it comes to offense, defense, both unfortunately have their negatives when it comes to offense, defense, uh, special teams. I think both teams are on point hundred uh, percent. Again, this is going to be a very exciting game. I think, I, I, I think it's going to be a very tightly contested affair. I, I don't see it being a blowout. Uh, to me, I, I just think it's going to come down to who wants it more, who can, who can handle their business better who's going to show up ready to win. And I think that's really what it comes down to is that mentality of being ready to win and doing what it takes to win. Uh, I know typically Calgary has kind of looked at this game as like a business trip. Well, uh, uh, or even a working vacation really, because they have not historically, they have not played very well at Percival Molson stadium, but I think that was more the old regime Mm -hmm. versus, you know, the team that's here, this year, and let's not forget, Calgary has not been at Personal Wilson Stadium for the past four years. So, I think that that sentiment of them coming in, like that that mindset, I don't think that exists anymore. I, I think it'll be completely different. I, I think we're going to see uh, players coming in and just treating this like a business trip, treating it like, okay, we've got a job to do, we've got to go out and win, and that's all there is to it. Uh, I don't think there's going to be too many, you know crazy Saturday night parties or anything like that. It'd be awesome if Calgary decided they wanted to do that. They wanted to take in the city and and, and let the uh, uh, the vices, if you will, take over. But I just don't see that happening. I, I, I think they want it bad enough that they're going to treat this like a job, do your job, and uh, I think they're going to give Montreal a good run for its money. But truthfully, I, I, I think this is the kind of game that Montreal wants because – as I've said, they've got a lot to prove. They want to prove to the doubters, to the haters, that they are who they say they are. They are who they've been hyping themselves up to be from day one of training camp. And the best way to do that, just go out there and and let it rip. I mean, that's that's what this team does so well. And I'm looking forward, truly, to some very exciting football. And that's really what it comes down to, Tim, is that this team has to perform and I think they will. I think they're going to show up Sunday night and they're going to put on a show that is going to leave everybody, everybody excited and wanting for more. Exactly. Looking forward to it, dude. Really, really am. Uh, if you happen to see us at the stadium, come and say hey. Uh, we are over, over in Section Y1. We're always happy to see and talk with our fans. Um, but uh, we're looking forward to uh, Sunday night football. That's a weird thing to say, Cliff. Sunday night football. But we well, will. Especially in Canada. I mean, Sunday night football is, of course, an institution down in the States, but uh, in Canada, it's still something that we're. 
So it's taking a little getting used to. So uh, yeah, you'll, you know, it it'll be interesting. I mean, you know, and again, if this game's not a sellout and it doesn't work, then okay, well, at least they tried it, right? So exactly, exactly. Again, I, I I can't I can't reiterate enough that I'm so thankful the Elwoods do not host any Thursday night games because whatever trepidation or worries we have about Sunday night. They were they were doubled, if not tripled, when it came to the Thursday night football. So, props to the Alouettes for not having a Thursday night game. I mean, they'll be playing a Thursday night game, but on the road. But uh, to not have to worry about Thursday night Alouettes football at Percival Wilson Stadium is so nice. Yeah, I agree. It really you. is. Yeah. So, uh, we'll hopefully see you guys at the game. If not, we will speak to you guys um, for uh, Flight Deck Live. Um, and if not, we, we will catch you uh, on the flip side for our next podcast next week. So, uh, I look forward to seeing you then. So, for everybody here at the Alouettes Flight Deck, for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. Ron, final approach. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.